JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from The Athletic has a new football show along with our friend Zach Kiefer with The Athletic. Robert Mays talks some football with us right now. And Robert, welcome to the show. First things first, we may have to bail at some point to go hear what in the hell the Colts are doing from Chris Ballard directly here today. But we would love to have you back on at some point. So always keep that in mind. But we may have to bail a little bit earlier than usual today. Thank you for coming on first and foremost, though. No problem at all. Chris Ballard is more entertaining than me. I fully yeah. am willing to admit that, so it's not a problem. Yeah, there's. Well, I don't. I don't know about that just yet, but certainly there are a lot of. I mean, incredible unanswered questions around here. What do you make of not just the Jonathan Taylor situation, but above all else, the look of this roster moving forward with an incredibly inexperienced rookie quarterback taking the helm and Anthony Richardson for this Colts team? Everything outside of the Jonathan Taylor news and the Jonathan Taylor saga it makes a lot of sense. They were consciously getting younger. Last year, I think they made a decision to try to take one more run at this thing with Matt Ryan and guys like Stephon Gilmore, you know, players at the end of their career. And they spent, I think, a lot of effort and energy this offseason getting younger, more athletic, all the way across the roster. They tried to recoup some of that draft capital that they'd given up for quarterbacks over the last couple of years, trading down consistently. And he's taking huge swings on athletes. And we'll see. I think that it's going to be probably a frustrating season, probably an uneven season. But I think that this is more about what this roster looks like two or three years from now than it is what this roster looks like in 2023. So Robert Mays of The Athletic with us. Would you describe this as a rebuild or a tank or a retank or something of that nature? How would you describe this upcoming season? I think it's a reset. I think you're taking a small step back, hopefully, to take large steps forward. And obviously, that starts with the quarterback. They took a massive swing on somebody with undeniable tools, and you're searching for a really high upside, but it's probably going to take a while before that upside is realized. And I think that speaks to a lot of the guys that they drafted in this year's draft. So Robert Mays of The Athletic has a football show along with Zach Kiefer coming up this year for you. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So what do you make overall of this Jonathan Taylor situation? I mean, as far as where the Colts are, where Jonathan Taylor is, I think we know what the end game is as far as Taylor is concerned and what he's going for right now. But what are the Colts for, going for in your estimation in doing this? My read on it was always that they weren't overly excited about trading him. You know, if I have a car that's worth $20,000 and I say, yeah, I'll, tra- I'll give it to you, I'll sell it to you, but I'll sell it to you for a million dollars, I don't really want to sell my car. And it feels like that's kind of where this settled with the Colts. Them asking for a first-round pick in this current running back market gives me the sense that they had never really wanted him off the roster. 
And this was a, all right, you know, you and your agent, you go make some calls, you see what you're worth, and then we'll figure all this out. And they weren't worth what you would have anticipated. So I think that that was kind of the move on the Colts' part from the outside looking in, that they don't actually want to trade him. Hopefully they can figure this out down the road. They can reach some sort of conclusion that's beneficial to both parties. But I don't know that for a fact, but in talking to people there when I was there and seeing how this is all kind of unfolded in public, it seems like they were never really intent on getting whatever they could for him. That was never the goal. You know, Robert, in terms of, of Jonathan Taylor, and I've said this about him, and what I felt his importance was with this team, especially this season. And you know, I want to get back to the makeup of the roster, too. I, I always felt that it was really important. And, and that's okay. If you're changing a philosophy, you want to get younger, stronger, faster, if that is you know what your prerogative is moving forward, then so be it. But I always felt that this year, especially with Anthony Richardson, it was of the highest importance that you support him and his growth, hopefully, as much as you can. And it just doesn't seem like with this roster, nor with the way that you know they've handled, and a lot of this is also on Jonathan Taylor, but the way they've handled Jonathan Taylor at all will help the growth and the production moving forward of one of the more incredibly inexperienced quarterbacks that we have seen enter the NFL. I think that's undeniable and they're better with Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson's job is easier with Jonathan Taylor. And I don't think that the people who built this roster ever anticipated that the owner would get into a public feud with the running back a few weeks before the season started. I think this team knows that it's better with Jonathan Taylor on the roster, but unfortunately there are things that have happened behind the scenes that affect that dynamic. I think uh, a lot of us, listen, we've seen it handled this way before. Uh, like, supposedly, he's on PUP, and there's been talk, obviously, of an ankle that was repaired back in, in January that long since should have been healed by now. And then there's, you know, have been reports of a possible off-site situation with the back. I'm one that believes that this is a, a hold-in. How, how do you view his situation of being placed on PUP? You still pay him, and you keep everything calm. And basically what you do is you kind of kick the can down the road if you're both parties right here but if he were offered an extension tomorrow do you think that he would be pretty quickly ready to play Uh, that would be my assumption but i always hesitate to speculate about things like that and about i'm a tremendous speculator by the way too robert so it does feel like this is where players have a little bit of leverage this idea of well you know my ankle's really bothering me That's all players can really do in this world where the CBA prevents that from holding out. So I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. We've seen that happen with other players where the contract gets figured out and immediately they're ready to go, or some sort of resolution and immediately they're ready to go. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think it would just depend on what sort of extension we were talking about and whether it made sense for both sides. So Robert Mays of The Athletic with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Give me your viewpoint, uh, if you will, within the AFC South. And obviously you got two uh, quarterbacks getting their first start, C.J. Stroud with Houston, Anthony Richardson, of course, with the Colts, Tannehill still under center with the Titans. And then that favorite by most is going to be the Trevor Lawrence-led Jacksonville Jaguars. You expect them to raise the bar on what they accomplished, not over the course of the season, but certainly the momentum built in the tail end of the season a year ago. I do. I have high hopes for that offense. I think that Trevor Lawrence is a 
real star quarterback in the NFL, Calvin Ridley dropping in there really gives them a piece that they just didn't have last year. It was a receiving core made of number twos and number threes. And at his best, he can really make the rest of the group make more sense. The offensive line is still a question. You're relying on a rookie, rookie at right tackle. You're often your starting left tackle that you paid is suspended for the first four or five games of the year. I can't remember the exact number. So they're figuring all of that out. But I have a lot of faith in that coaching staff and, and that group for them to be good on offense again. And they're banking on some really young pieces on defense taking a step forward. So I think they are justifiably the, the favorite in the AFC because of the quarterback situation and because of what they showed on the offensive side of the ball last year. All right. Of the, the rookie quarterbacks, the only one I did not mention there near the top of the draft, but that is Bryce Young in Carolina. Of of the, the two mentioned within the South and obviously the Panthers' new quarterback and Bryce Young, who do you think is going to have the best overall, the most overall productive rookie campaign? It's a really good question. I probably would have said Bryce Young at the start of this because I thought that they had put enough around him offensive line-wise, other supporting pieces for him to be functional as a rookie. But that offensive line is really rough during training camp. Austin Corbett, who they paid in free agency last season, is on the pup list to start the year. And the same thing goes for Houston's offensive line. They really went out and consciously tried to construct that group, I think, to make C.J. Stroud comfortable. But Titus Howard was already hurt this summer. Their right tackle. Kenyon Green, who they drafted in the first round last year, is going to miss the entire season. They're trading for interior depth pieces. And Anthony Richardson, I think, is such so inexperienced that it's kind of hard to throw him into that same group. I'd still probably say that Bryce Young will have the most productive rookie season just because I feel like his – game potentially translates to the NFL a little bit smoother, the feel he has in the pocket, all of that. But again, I think this is more about what you're going to get two, three years down the road with these guys. So I don't think who's best right now among that group necessarily indicates who's going to be the best of this entire class. Robert Mays of The Athletic with us. If you don't have an answer, this is kind of a tough question, especially you know right off the top of your head trying to think about it right now. But you mentioned, and we've talked about the level of inexperience with Anthony Richardson, and certainly there have been other quarterbacks to enter the NFL that have had a, a, a very low level of experience in this case. Is there a comparison to the Richardson situation as far as games played collegiately uh, and the production he had collegiately um, and that relative inexperience to anybody that we have seen drafted either that made it or didn't make it of the past? Games started, the first one that comes to mind is Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky was a one-year starter at North Carolina. Obviously, that did not go very well for the Chicago Bears, but even he was more productive than Anthony Richardson was at Florida. The guy who had similar numbers to what Anthony Richardson had at Florida, completion percentage, et cetera, would have been Josh Allen at Wyoming, but Josh Allen started more games than Anthony Richardson. So I don't think there's ever been a player that was as inexperienced and had as underwhelming of box score numbers as Anthony Richardson did and was picked in the top five or even the first round. To me, that is a sign that the times have changed. We've seen other guys make huge strides from what their college scouting report looked like, what they are as finished products. And if you're willing to bet on traits, the right amount of makeup, and a guy who is smart enough to make it work, that bet and that series of bets is more acceptable in today's NFL than it's ever been. 
And I think that explains why a team would be willing to take a chance on Anthony Richardson. Uh, Robert, obviously chief among at least the two teams that have been mentioned. It's kind of funny. Chris Greer said today that there was uh, not any formal offers given from Miami to the Colts. Whatever. But uh, clearly somewhere, somehow, there was some interest right there with the Dolphins. How would you view this Dolphins team if they had Jonathan Taylor? And I, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is how big of a disappointment might this be that they couldn't reel this guy in for their offense? I think it's a huge boost for the Dolphins because what they really need is a consistent running game. With the way the teams were playing against them down the stretch last year, being able to hammer teams that are more worried about you beating them over the top with you know five, six, seven-yard chunk gains on the ground, that's how you maintain a stable offense with the way the Dolphins are built. So having a guy that can really potentially sustain that running game all on his own and Jonathan Taylor would have been a huge boost, I think, to the overall philosophy into the overall shape of Miami's offense. I still think they can get there with the guys that they have if their offensive line plays a little bit better, but there's no denying that the path to that sort of total offensive plan would be much easier, much smoother if Jonathan Taylor was in the building. So Robert Mays of The Athletic, he and Zach Kiefer are going to have a weekly NFL show. When's that start? I'm assuming week one, right? Duh. But uh, what date does it start? So Zach's show is on Monday after week one. Zach will have his own show on Mondays with our rotating cast of athletic beat writers. There'll be three of them, I think, on every single show recapping some of the games that happened on Sunday. And then we do the athletic football show six days a week. So I will be hosting three of the other shows that we do. All right, man. We'll do it again very soon, Robert. I appreciate you jumping on here. Absolutely. Sounds good. From the morning show, the wake up call with Kevin and Andy. Kevin Bowen joins us. You know, how bizarre. We normally would say, boy, this is so bizarre, but let's just face it. This is kind of stuff that's been right up the Colts alley for the better part of the past 10 years. So it's not really bizarre, right? You just kind of wait for stuff like this to happen now. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, sadly, that's really, really true. Um, I went on serious a little bit earlier today and they were asking me about, oh, have you watched Hard Knocks with the Jets? I'm like, no, I just feel like I live Hard Knocks with the Colts. And I feel yeah. like I've lived it now for the last, really ever since they went on Hard Knocks, I guess, and closed out that, that wild season there by losing the last two games with Carson Wentz. And ever since then, it's been drama-filled like none other. And, uh, yeah, it's I, I, <laughs> I don't see it stopping anytime soon because it's not like it stopped anytime recently. All right. got to figure out a couple of plans, a, a couple of charted paths here from the Colts organization led by Chris Ballard and cer- certainly with first-year head coach Shane Steichen having some input. Uh, what, what is the plan here? Going down to three wide receivers, suggesting that, you probably bring back one you just cut in Isaiah McKenzie and then bringing back a couple, less than a handful, to your practice squad here after cutting them loose. So what's, um, you know, what's the general theory on that? Did they try to do something else that we're completely unaware of? What's the theory behind, you think, those measures? Yeah, I I wish I had a great answer for you, John. You know, it's one thing when you would cut, like, let's say they would have cut Isaiah McKenzie yesterday, and the thought there is he is released, he's right away a free agent, and you basically make a handshake agreement with his agent and say, hey, we're going to bring you back later, but we want to keep a guy like Darius Rush, because if we were to cut Darius Rush, 
he'd be waived, which means he's exposed to waivers, and we don't want to do that because a team can claim him before he becomes a free agent. So, like, that to me would have made some sense. Obviously, we saw it play out today. They expose Rush to waivers, and he gets claimed by the defending Super Bowl champs, and now he's gone. Um, But they didn't do that with McKenzie yesterday. They exposed Rush to waivers. So that's where I'm, like, confused in doing this today. You know, they could have cut McTelvin a gem, a defensive tackle, who they ended up cutting today to make room for these waiver claims. So, again, I don't have a great answer for you, Chris Bauer. As you know, John, as you've said, you know, he's going to chat here in whatever, 45 minutes. So that will certainly be a question. I assume McKenzie's back. Like, you know, I watched that. Well, what, what if he said, you know what? I, there's a better opportunity for me to go someplace else. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that yeah. if, if, if he were firsthand, if he were – you know, actually willing to come back. They probably had a conversation when they, they would cut him, I would guess, or or release him as it stands. But, um, yeah, I just thought, what if? What if he wanted to go someplace else? Yeah, I mean, nothing's stopping him yeah. right now. Again, he, he's a free agent because he's played in the league long enough to immediately go to free agency and not be, you know, exposed to waivers. And I, I'm trying to think back, like, on McKenzie and training camp, you know, was he the perfect wideout? No. I didn't think we saw an abundance of drops, though, and that kind of has been his reputation. You know, sure, you make a questionable decision at a preseason game, special teams-wise, probably. You know, part of me is like, well, don't you want to kind of evaluate your your blockers by bringing a kick out of the end zone or something like that? But I still think in a Shane Steichen innovative, creative offense, like he had that gadget role, and I, I assume that that was the thought with him. So, yeah, it makes no sense. And, John, this is a conversation you, you and I have had endlessly. Like, waiver claim wideouts aren't going to save the root of the wide receiver issue. The wide receiver issue extends past many, many years, and the root of it for me starts so much in the spring and then not paying enough, enough attention to it from a draft and development standpoint because that's when you obviously have those guys. Sure, the waiver claims, you know, maybe they can help you out a little bit more from a depth standpoint, but – you know, to me, this is such a Chris Ballard core philosophy issue of he just doesn't think that position matters as much as others. <laughs> you don't think that that's going to be changing? You don't think at all? I mean, it will have to change, right? If you're one of the, the two worst teams in the NFL this year and the worst ends up taking Caleb Williams and you, Marvin Harrison Jr., then you have to really change that philosophy up, right? Well, as much as you would think results would dictate change, it's not like they've dictated change for seven years yeah, now. No doubt about so that. I, no doubt. I, I would ask you I, this, I too. Why, why does it always seem like that Chris has to go all these incredibly unconventional ways to get back to doing literally nothing? Why is that? I mean, all these paths you end up taking, all these unconventional measures, all these theories that you have, only to get back to really not gaining any ground on anything. Why is that? Yeah, I think there is – he's used this word, and I, I would have – I've certainly used it before. I think there's a – Smarter than everybody is, else? Is that a phrase? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess if you want to expand yeah. on it, yeah, I think that's another way to describe stubbornness. Um, that's him, and that's him with his blueprint. And, I mean, this was the second, maybe the third year in January I sat there at the season-ending press conference and asked him, does your blueprint need adjustment? tweaking, however you want to describe it, outright changing. And he just 
kind of gives the political answer, and then the actions obviously speak to it. And you can look at the draft, and I think you can point to, you know, those first couple of selections, obviously Richardson being top of the list, of a change in philosophy. But then you can point to a lot of other parts of the offseason, and you haven't really done that. And you look at the roster right now, and it still is heavy in the trenches. But then I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, wait, like, look at the offensive line depth right now. They've got 10 offensive linemen on this football team. That is a huge core philosophy of Ballard. Of the five depth guys, four of the five have never played a snap in the NFL, and the fifth guy hasn't played a snap in the NFL since 2020. I mean, you got to go back three seasons for when he last played. So even, like, the core philosophy of his isn't adding up. And that's where I think if I'm Jim Ursay, and I go back to last season, and you could say the root of the problem was the offensive line, you know, if I'm Ursa, it's one thing to have an issue with his overall philosophy. But even if you don't, if you're Jim Ursa, you say to him, wait a minute, you're telling me it's all about trench play. Okay, when has our defensive line been some dominant unit? Did our offensive line live up to the crazy money slash drastic investment that's in it? No. So even if you look at what he is trying to build and not his overall plan, that's where you're like, what? That doesn't check out either. So, yeah, I, I continually scratch my head. Yeah, there's a lot uh, a lot to uh, certainly scratch about with these <laughs> decisions right here. Uh, Kevin Bowen via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How much of this is Shane Steichen in year number one saying, hey, I'm going to put my stamp on this team and I can win with this? And, you know, kind of stepping in here with a great deal of bravado. Normally, all these coaches are going to have because without it, you don't make it as far as they do. How much of that involves Steichen in this decision-making process? Yeah, I think it's certainly a factor. Having said that, uh, Shane Steichen would be an absolute fool to not acknowledge the elite show group he was working with. In, in, in Philly, we had a emailer today email me like, oh, well, you know, look at what Jalen Hurts had in his first season as a full-time starter. He didn't have a lot. Jalen Hurts had a second-round running back. He had two first-round wideouts. This is before A.J. Brown. And he had two second-round tight ends in Zach Hurts and Dallas Goddard. You could make the argument of those five skill players, all of them would walk into this building right now and be the best skill player. So, I, it, like – Yes. Is there a confidence? And do I think Shane Sykin has uh, a pretty impressive offensive mind? I do. But at the end of the day, players are needed and the cupboard needs to be stocked. And that's not it. So um, I don't want to skip. I don't want to take shortcuts with Anthony Richardson if I'm the Colts because, you know, you, you, you hear people offer, well, who is Josh Allen's running back as rookie season? Who is Lamar Jackson's running back as rookie season? You know, who is Cam Newton's running back? Like Cam Newton won a Heisman Trophy. Lamar Jackson won a Heisman Trophy. Josh Allen had double the amount of starts that Anthony Richardson had. So, again, you you don't want to sit there at the end of year, whatever, three, four with Richardson and think, man, if we would have given him a little bit more in those early years, what would that have done to his confidence? What would that have done to his early development? That, I think, is such an issue that teams strike out on with these young quarterbacks. And, again, all these young quarterbacks have a much different-looking resume than Richardson has entering the NFL. So, yeah, sure, there probably is some psych and influence in that, but somebody, Ballard, Ursay, whoever, says you can have that philosophy, but I'm not going to make that mistake because our lack of support with recent quarterbacks and more the veteran route I think has been an issue for them. Do you believe this is as clunky of a game to be playing going into the start of a rookie campaign for the inexperienced quarterback that they have right now? Do you believe that to the level in which I do? 
Yeah, I think it's a super dangerous game. Yeah, I, I think it's a very, very dangerous game to to play. I think, you know, in a way, John, it's something I've brought up before, and I'm sure we've even talked about it. I mean, look what Jacksonville did last year in year two of Trevor Lawrence. I mean, everybody laughed at them all offseason long with what they did with Zay Jones and the amount of money they paid Evan Ingram and the amount of money they paid Christian Kirk. But they knew with Trevor Lawrence, a prospect that was being mentioned in the same breath as Andrew Luck and Elway and Manning, et cetera, they knew if they didn't get him right mentally in year two, who knows where his career would go. Well, again, Richardson doesn't have anywhere near that resume. So uh, that's where I, I, I worry that you're not giving him enough early on. Again, I think Shane Steichen is an ideal coach to try to cater to his strength and cater to what he does well. And you've already seen it in the preseason from all the RPO stuff, all the no huddle, all the up tempo. Like that is the right, that that's the right approach in my opinion. But the skill group, I mean, dear Lord, it, it's just, um, yeah, it, it is a huge, huge issue. And I mean, even if you want to look at your tight ends right now and Jelani Woods and how, you know, that hamstring situation has been handled and what you do that, like, that would be a, a, another layer to it. And obviously that's the one position group that doesn't have the three what? running backs and only two are healthy right now and the three wideouts currently on the roster. Why has the uh, the Jelani Woods situation been so secretive, been so hush? Yeah, that's a good question. Because I, 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 had, I had heard, and maybe this is completely wrong, but did it have anything to do with conditioning? Anything like that? Yeah, I, I know – there are some you know, colleagues of mine that have done a little bit more digging on that, and they feel like that the Woods camp um, you know, has some pushback about how things have been handled. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, the Colts would say, well, conditioning-wise, he's had issues, and the Woods camp would probably say, well, we feel like you haven't handled his hamstring. Well, I mean, James that's, Boyd that's told me in studio game. that he had I – mean, when I asked him that, he said, well, he um, – He's, he he did all he could to change his body, but that's not that's not quite the story that I got. No, and I, I haven't necessarily heard that aspect to it. Um, so I think it's a kind of whatever, a little bit of a he said, she said it. If right. you look at it right. for what it's worth, the Colts have had several guys that have dealt with some nagging hamstring injuries this this off season. So that's a critical element. I mean, Woods was one of the few individual bright spots late last season, and now all of a sudden, you know, there's, okay, could he go on injured reserve to return, uh, you know, this week? Um, he wasn't practicing as we left practice just a few minutes ago, so, you know, him even playing week one, I would think is very much in, in question considering how much time he's missed. So you just add it to the, again, lack of wideout support, which again, for me dates back to, you know, much earlier than just the waiver claims that happened today. I mean, this is a multi-year issue. And then, obviously, the whole Jonathan Taylor fiasco. That's uh, Kevin Bowen of the New Morning Show uh, into week number two, along with Andy Sweeney. Kevin Bowen, of course, it's the wake-up call with Kevin and Andy. And Kevin's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, yet another ridiculous-sounding situation. I ask you what you felt the end game was in reshuffling the roster in the fashion at wide receiver in which they did to try to get down to the 53-man. What, what, um, what, what's the end game here? I mean, ultimately, he's either going to have to play here or he's going to have to be traded, right? And I've been saying this for weeks now. I think that if he got a new deal, he'd play tomorrow. Thus, I believe he is uh, performing uh, a hold-in. 
Um, and I've fought that for a while. But what's the end game? I think I know what Taylor's side's going for. What are the Colts going for with this? Yeah, I, I've got no idea um, how this ends somewhat peaceful or cordial or however you want to describe it. Um, yeah, I mean, the Colts right now, if they really wanted to play serious hardball, boom. I mean, they could find him, I guess, and, and, and try and play that sort of game of like, no, you are healthy. And we're not giving you the full game check of, you know, whatever it is, 230, 240-some thousand he gets every week for being on that pup list there. Um, so, again, we I hope that Chris Bauer will offer some clarity on that. We'll find out here in about a half hour. Um, but to me, I have said this all along, unless you are going to give him a multi-year extension and you have plans for him past 2024, and I would argue plans for him that don't include the franchise tag because that's going to continue to have clearly a disgruntled player. It's going to kind of back-end your cap situation, whereas if you wanted to – keep him around for 2024 and beyond, you could front load that by extending him now. Then I don't really understand why he is around, frankly. Um, so, so much of it, I think Ballard has got to answer. And to be totally fair, I think Jonathan Taylor, I can make the argument that Taylor needs to talk more than Ballard. You know, you know the, the childish liking of a tweet yesterday by Taylor, uh, it just seems so second grade to me, all of it. And, okay, do you need to – Taylor doesn't strike me as some dude that would just call a big press conference and, you know, air it all out. There are plenty of ways to get your message out outside of social media cryptic messages. Open up the Notes app on Twitter, answer five questions, explain your situation, provide some clarity to it. You can control the narrative if you want. It's not like the Colts are talking a whole lot. Obviously, Ballard is going to talk today. So, I think both parties – and, again, Ballard is going to do it here in a bit – uh, but Taylor, without question, to me, needs to explain his, his side of it as well. I don't want I don't want to see Rosie and Max in second grade and tweeting about any hostage stuff. All right, <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that yeah. happening. Hey, did you buy what you buy what I'm selling now regarding this being a hold in? You think he's injured? Well, I think for the sake of his own physical health in the NFL, it better be a hold in. I mean, if this ankle thing has really lasted 10 months. How can you maneuver around it? How, how can you, ankle, yeah, how can you not be medically cleared if you're healthy, but playing it off is not? How, how can that happen? I don't know if you're like faking physicals or what, and obviously Mike Chapel is pretty staunch in his reporting last night. I think you kind of followed a very similar script to it and saying, you know, from one source was what Chapel mentioned that this is a hold in. Yeah, that one, that's where we get into NFL, NFLPA games that could just explode. I mean, that's where it could get very, very delicate and icy. I would argue it already is, but it could even get to a higher level of that. So that's where I look at yesterday and think, sure, you, you, you kept them on the pup list. That was an answer that we were going to get by 4 o'clock, but nothing else has been solved. I mean, this is still a huge storyline that has many more answers and many more hurdles to clear. And, you know, we got two months more of it, considering when you look at where the where the trade deadline is for when the next, you know, big-time concrete deadline is. Would you describe this as a rebuild or a tank? Um... Probably a, I don't know. Like a retank? A retank to me is like, <laughs> <laughs> a retank. 
Yeah. Wait a minute. How many times are you going to tank? <laughs> yeah. 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 You thought you hit rock bottom last year, but now you're going to retank. This is this year. Yeah. Like an outright tank to me is like you trade Buckner. I mean, hell, you would have traded Taylor. You would have looked into trading Nelson or Kelly or kinda Kenny wonder. Moore. I don't know. I'm I kind of wonder up. why they didn't do Buckner. I mean, aren't you? We've asked that. You and I have talked about that on this show before. Yeah. I mean, I asked Buckner that. Yeah, you did, didn't you? Yes, you did. Well done. What happened with with Gilmore back in March? So, yeah, I mean, it is unquestionably a rebuild, and I'm sure there are a lot of fans out there that would like to see a tank with many flashes from Anthony Richardson. I mean, that is that's a scenario to get Marvin Harrison Jr. and finally try and squelch some of these wide receiver talk. But, yeah, I mean, in no way, I can't point to – I mean, with Isaiah McKenzie being cut, John, feel free to correct me. That means the Colts did not make a single free agent move on the offensive side of the ball this year, not in Gardner Minshew. True that. So the worst offense in the NFL, one of yeah. the worst offenses we've seen in the NFL in quite some time. They signed Minshew. Uh, nothing at running back. Nothing at wideout with McKenzie now gone. Nothing at tight end. And they're running back the same offensive line that started last year. Perfect. It's, I think I have that right. Sounds like another year in paradise as a Colts fan to me. How about you? Yeah, uh, quite the – hey, Shane Steichen, welcome to Indy. So, <laughs> yeah, it just um, – it doesn't add up to me. It does not add up to All me. All right. Hey, over under, my friend Greg wants to know, how many Chris Ballard freakins are we going to get during this presser today? <laughs> a lot of freakins yeah, going got, on? Uh, you want to get the happy hour drinking game started? Freaking and look! If you put that oh, down yeah. on the bingo card, you get all drunk out before the yeah, all before drunk the goes down tonight. I think a lot of looks. I think at some point he'll get tired of the Taylor questions, and uh, that's how he will start some answers. And we'll see how that goes. I mean, I think um, yeah, I know. I, I won't say who. I know one of the colleagues in the in the media room texted Ballard a little bit earlier today, asking for some a little bit on JT, and he goes, I will answer that later. So, you know, if you go off of that, I expect him not to just say, I'm not answering any Taylor questions. That would be pretty frustrating. So uh, it sounds like he at least is going to answer them for how long, and, you know, the amount of them he'll field uh, remains to be seen. This sounds like an arms-crossed podium afternoon for you guys from Chris Ballard. Like the arms may yeah. be crossed. Just maybe. Yeah, you know. I'm, ju- I'm thinking back to that November press conference when he was up there with Saturday and Earth Day. I think it's going to be, it could be some of those vibes in that room. Maybe not as, you know, pouting Rosie Bowen as, as he looked on that night, but I think it could be uh, pretty similar to that. All right. Our friend Tucker Barnhart, by the way, a minor league deal with the Dodgers. So, you know, it right. looks like he's going to get on a postseason roster, I would assume, coming up here. That's great. So, good for him. Yeah, hell yeah. He hasn't spent a month of September enjoying too much here in recent years. Look at so. the, he and Lance Lynn on the same team for the first time since Brownsburg High School, as it sounds. How about that? Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That's, some, that's some positive baseball news that you and I needed, right? <laughs> I knew this was coming, man. I knew this. I, I I prepared myself. At least we had June, all right? At least we got June. In other seasons, you didn't even have June. So we knew this was coming. 
Oh, I right. hate to say it, but that is spot on. Hey, lead with a question. We're going to turn you up. We'll crank you up when we have this uh, Ballard press conference aired over here. That's that first question. I, and, and I want ask a question and phrase it so I can get either a look or a frickin'. Okay? Oh, I, I don't think there's any special way that I need to phrase anything here. So, yeah, I'll let, I think Chapel and Holder have earned the right to take one, but I'll try to chime in there early. All right, buddy. Appreciate you guys are doing great in the mornings. Continued success. Thank you, John. Appreciate it.